welcome to happy hour hey tyler good to be here and welcome to all of our listeners my name is tyler buckingham and this is the very laid-back happy hour show on the american shoreline podcast network where we shoot the breeze and wax poetic about whatever's on our minds on this show a very special millennial check-in show jenna valente and i meet up for drinks and talk about what is on our mind being millennials and working on the American shoreline. Jenna, what do you say you get the first round? All right. So I feel like, do you want a round of oat milk with avocado? <laughs> Given that this is a millennial show, I should use the word artisanal. Um, just kidding. I feel like that this is this is our attempt at sort of debunking some of those myths that people have about us millennials. Or um, yeah, go ahead. Or confirming them. Yeah, we'll see. Time will tell. So during this first round, I thought that it was only fitting to mention that this weekend I attended a birthday party for one of my friends up here in Boston. And included in the invitation to this party, it was asked of everybody to present a three-minute presentation on literally any topic. And this, I don't know for listeners if that sounds like the most boring party to you or the most exciting party, but it ended up being a really interesting event because we got to learn about everything from um, – some of the more serious topics, someone did a presentation on human trafficking, which was actually really interesting, wow. even though it was, you know, kind of a downer topic. It's really important to learn about all the way to uh, does Sasquatch exist, how to poop in public. Um, and, wow. you know, so it's like everywhere in between, kind of a fun way to learn about what your friends know about and what they care about. And of course, as the resident ocean nerd in my friend group, I had to present on the ocean. Um, so what does one talk about when they have three minutes to share about this really vast place? Well, I will tell you that I used <laughs> it as an educational opportunity, but I wanted it to be fun. So I um, started with some basic ocean facts that, you know, 70% of our planet is covered in ocean. And during our time on Earth as human beings, we've really only managed to explore about 5% of the ocean floor meaning that we still know very little about the vast majority of our planet. But, you know, during the time that we have explored this watery place, we've come to know and love some really familiar creatures like, you know, otters and seals and whales, all of that warm, fuzzy animals. But there's also some really weird shit in the ocean. And so I wanted to share a little bit about three of my favorite marine-based, free-spirited kind of animals. Let's hear it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, starting with, so are you familiar with the blobfish? I mean, because I'm familiar with Ted Cruz. Yeah. So I was going to say, um, I mean, the blobfish is kind of like if a jello mold had a baby with, um, for people that follow barstool sports, their, their founder and president, Dave Portnoy. Um, so if like a jello mold and Dave had a baby, that's what a blobfish looks like. And I feel like everybody should go Google one of these things because they're, they're really uh, unique looking creatures. Um, 
But this fish has gotten some pretty, it's a pretty bad rap from humans because we consistently are voting it as the world's ugliest animal. And I really wanted to clear this up because yes, on land, it is probably not something that's going to win beauty contests or anything like that. But it's built to withstand this like immense pressure that's found in its natural habitat, which is three to four thousand feet below the surface. Wow. Yeah. Very- so it's like this really squishy thing that looks absolutely like unbelievable on land. But when you look, you can even Google pictures of it in its natural habitat. It looks like a normal fish. Wow. So yeah, setting the record straight on that. The second thing is that Humans are not the only creatures that like to party like we are right now sitting here at our Friday happy hour. Yeah. There are many species of animals that have their own vices that they find in the wild. Something that I feel like is pretty hilarious. Most recently, we learned that pods of dolphins get high on puffer fish. No, I I totally saw this through my social media feed and I was like, I couldn't believe it. There is one of my favorite photos I think to ever exist is this photo of this dolphin. Like they come up to the puffer fish and they, they bump their nose into them. Then the puffer fish blows up all crazy. So maybe I can send this photo to you, Tyler. And when we post this online, we can pair this or share it with the the podcast. But it's like one of my favorite meme kind of faces, just the way that this fish looks. But puffer fish produce a really potent defensive chemical when they get, um, when they feel threatened. And in small enough doses, that toxin seems to induce a trance-like state into dolphins. And so they have been observed recently passing puffer fish around. So it's likely that as we sit here, it's five o'clock summer for dolphins too. And there is a poor puffer fish that's getting passed around a pot of dolphins. Yeah, the (laughs) left-handed cigarette for dolphins. (laughs) Um, And the last thing, certainly not least though, is one of my favorite animals of all time. And actually, Tyler, do you have a favorite marine critter? That's something that I'm curious about. Probably just off the top of my head right now, yeah. I'm going to go with the I'm going to go with the urchin. Oh, good one. Yeah, but, I really like urchins. I like to eat them uh-huh. as well. I think they're really cool and they're, you know, they're important food for the the fuzzy animals we like too. Yep. And uh so I need to give a shout out to the mantis shrimp. Because, yeah, it's one of my favorite animals. And a side note, it's not even a shrimp, but I don't have time to get into that right now. So um, this is another (laughs) fascinating critter to look up. But um, the mantis shrimp kills its prey with this punch of, like, mega death. Um, And so it's. I just feel like it's fascinating because of its size. I feel like that fools people. But its fists are so fast that when it punches something, the water around it briefly reaches the temperature of the sun and boils. Yeah, their fists also accelerate faster than a 22 caliber bullet. And there are even documented cases of if a human hand comes in contact with one of these punches, getting, they'll get split down to the bone after being punched. Um, what? Yeah. So, I mean, these things are like total badasses, but also they have the most complex eyes out of any animal in the animal kingdom. So each of their eyes has 12 photoreceptors on it. 
And just to put that in context, the human eye only has three. So they're able to see this world in like a rainbow of psychedelic colors that our brains cannot even begin to comprehend. So, well, you know, the, the dolphins, of course, are uh, are getting there too. They're just using, they're getting altered, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the ocean's a big party, and they're with us on this happy hour. Um, so, that is my little fun fact for our first round of happy hour libations. Tell me before before I get up and get us another round. Mm-hmm. Uh, how was the presentation received? Oh, it was great. It was great. It did not win. So, you know, maybe I'm a little bit bitter. Oh, yeah, there's a trophy and everything. And so the the presentation that ended up winning, I think, was because it was sold in the perfect way. Because so the presentation that won was the presentation about the existence of Sasquatch. But my friend ran into the room and he was all disheveled. He couldn't figure out how to work the PowerPoint he couldn't remember his password, but he looked like, you know, his hair was all a mess and he gave the presentation on his phone and it, it just was so fitting to somebody that would be trying to convince a room of people that Sasquatch exists is that it's like, oh, I don't even know that how to use the PowerPoint or anything, but like, I'm so intense into this that like everybody look at this tiny screen on my phone, but it was pretty hilarious. So he won. Um, yeah. And then the worst there was a reward for the worst one, which I think was our friend that was trying to convince us of the whole reptilian people um, conspiracy theory, if you have heard that. So so how to poop in the street did not come last. <laughs> it might have won for the longest presentation because it went on for 15 minutes. Um, never in my life did I think I'd ever be sitting there listening to somebody described to me how to poop in public for 15 minutes. Um, so that was an experience. Well, on that note, I'm going to uh, run off to the bar and get us another round. All right, Jenna, round two here uh, on me. Um, you know, I I have been thinking a lot recently about what's just what's in the air, what's in the zeitgeist around the coastal community. And... Um, you know, of course, what's been dominating, I think, my news feed has been uh, Alexandra Ortazio-Cortez's Green New Deal. And um, this is kind of running headlong into this kind of theory of change conversation that uh, has been in our, in the news feed on Coastal News Today. And we've been talking about it with Dr. Susan Havorka on the American Shoreline podcast from Monday. And basically, best as I can, best as I can gather, and I'm just, you know, I'm freestyling here on Friday <laughs> happy hour. I don't have any, I don't have any, yeah, you know. We're doing it live. We're doing we're it live. Doing, <laughs> having a couple drinks and, and talking about what's on our minds. But it's interesting because clearly the millennial uh, generation has made landfall here and in, in, uh, certainly inside the Beltway in Washington, yeah. D.C. And you know, AOC is bringing a millennial perspective of change to Congress that certainly is um, much more radical than anything we've seen before. But what's really interesting to me is when you juxtapose this against what I would say the establishment is doing to combat climate change. And 
um, that's what our whole show on Monday uh, was about the the carbon sequestration, which is basically a method of capturing carbon um, CO2 before it goes into the atmosphere and pumping it back into the earth and trying to restore the, the, the balance of carbon in the atmosphere versus carbon in the earth back to perhaps where it was prior to uh, industrialization. Yeah. So which for uh, listeners, if anybody hasn't checked that show out yet, do yourself a favor and give it a listen because I know that, you know, there are a lot of topics on our network that someone might think of as like dry, but it's often those topics that are the most fascinating shows. This show about carbon, I learned so much that I had no idea even existed, processes that were going on. Um, it is it was an amazing show. Thank you. And um, you know, big thanks to Dr. Havorka and and co-host of that show, Peter Rivella. Uh, who, of course, we all know, and I'm sure we'll be at a happy hour soon to yeah. join us. <laughs> um, but, you know, what's interesting here to me is that um, two things. One is, I think, Jenna, that we have entered the era of we're, we're in post denialism when it comes to climate change. Like every serious person, including the politicians, the elected officials are now passing legislation and affording budgetary items accounting for climate change and combating climate change. And that includes the Trump administration. That includes the Republican tax plan. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I don't know if I would go as far as saying that I think we're in a post-denial world because it certainly happens. Uh Um, And I I think I understand where, where you're going with this is that even though people may be having... Um, you know, public moments and interactions with media and outwardly denying that climate change exists. Um, I think large in part that might be due to the funders that they have and trying to stay in line with the direction that their funders are trying to send them in um, versus not even believing that climate change exists. Um, Well, I mean, I guess my point is just simply that you can look where the money's at and um, there is now an actual policy on the books in last year's Republican tax plan um, that was passed and signed by the president includes a, a big old carbon sequestration tax credit that is giving money to companies that practice this form of putting carbon back into the earth geologic storage, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, that to me, you know, rhetoric aside, that is a data point that means something. And, um, to me, it's a really significant data point because we went from having no data points from the conservative side of the aisle, from the Republicans, climate change was not, uh, being combated in any sort of policy. Now we have a data point that meet that is significant. And, um, while I'm sure there will remain some segment of our population that denies climate change or believes in Bigfoot or whatever, there will, you know, yeah, you're thinking about I that. Think, the majority. I'm thinking that there will always the, be outliers. The, there will always be outliers. And I, I'm thinking that the, the, 
the discussion has moved to a new place where um, we're going to start talking about what we're doing about it and not about it existing. Right. And that to me is really interesting vis-a-vis AOC's Green New Deal um, because these are two dramatically different approaches to solving the problem. And uh, I think that for the next, you know, period of time, this next era of coastal policy, we will be having these debates and um, I'm really excited for it. And I think it's a major breakthrough. And I think all people of all parties and just Americans and global citizens should be pretty stoked that we are uh, moving forward here in this country and and, um, starting to think about solutions. And um, we'll debate this and have lots of time to discuss all that. But I do want to circle back, you know, uh, you had some really good statistics on on some of those little the, the sea creatures that you highlighted. And I wanted to. You know, All about for, facts for our, here. For our yeah. Yeah. I just want to kind of paint the picture. So um, the, there are currently uh, 26 members of Congress that are millennials. 20 of them are freshmen. They're in their first uh, session of the legislature right now. And of those 20 that are freshmen, 14 of them are Democrats. So there are six young Republican millennials our age, Jenna, who are in there too. So we have a, and, and that, that represents, by the way, 20, approximately 20% of all freshmen uh, Congress people are millennials. And um, this is significant. You know, we're still not represented adequately enough in Congress. We re- now represent the largest a group of voters and um we that is not the way we are represented in congress mm-hmm. clearly um but it's changing and um we can see very clearly um as evidenced by the green new deal and by the politics and just rhetorical political strategies of AOC and some of the other young um elected officials on both sides that the strategies are changing the way we talk about climate, the way we talk about our shores and environmental issues is changing. And millennials, you know, the polling has been done on what millennials think of the climate and conservation generally. And I got news for everybody. Uh, we're very much for it. (laughs) It, The numbers are ridiculous. We are, we really want to see action on climate change and we really want to see, uh, environmental conservation be a core part of of what our government does. So um, interesting to see this all come into into focus. Um, we're 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 now in March, and uh, this this young crop of of new legislators legislators are are doing work, and we can now start to see uh, what the millennial fingerprint will kind of look like. Yeah, I think it's interesting to look at too because. You know, as I was growing up and um, starting to become of age to vote, uh, you know, you hear a lot about, oh, our Congress is aging. And so it's something that I feel like we all knew was coming for a really long time is this infusion of younger people. And something that I really love about this Congress, too, is that it's starting to look a little more inclusive, not only just of millennials, but of women, of all different kinds of demographics from religion to different races and belief systems 
Democrats and Republicans alike. I love to see it that Congress is starting to become a little bit more of a true reflection of the people that they're serving. Indeed. Change is afoot. Well, Jenna, what do you say we uh, grab our tabs? Let's do it. Let's wrap this up. All right, everybody. Uh, today's show is brought to you by three sponsors, Dune Doctors out of Pensacola, Florida, DuneDoctors.com, Dune Restoration and Consulting, TI Coastal Services out of Wilmington, North Carolina, TICoastal.com. They're a coastal engineering firm. Great firm. Highly recommended. And we have another coastal engineering firm, LJA Engineering, LJA.com out of Texas. They've got offices all along the Texas coast. Really great. If you're looking to do work in Texas or uh, even along the Louisiana shoreline, give LJA Engineering a call. All right, Jenna, any parting thoughts? Yeah, I actually do have a parting thought. Well, I guess it's a, a couple of them. So you mentioned how Congress, even in the Trump era, is managing to pass bills that include conservation. And I wanted to mention because you reminded me that the Senate just passed the decade's largest public lands package, um, which I need to do some diving into exactly what it all means. But I think that we can get really lost sometimes in the rhetoric coming from the top, um, whether it's tweets or whatever else um, our president might be saying, and he tends to push forward a very anti-conservation agenda, but where it really matters is Congress. And that's where I always try to put a plug into the public and to the listeners to be contacting your members of Congress um, and talking to them about what you care about, because they're the ones that at the end of the day are the ones that are passing the budget and passing policies that will protect or exploit our land. Great final thought, Jenna. Uh, all I've got to add is a reminder to subscribe, rate, and review the American Shoreline Podcast Network. Uh, your rates, your ratings and reviews are really important. So uh, give us give us five stars if you think we're worth it and give us a little review. And of course, if you have not yet, please subscribe anywhere you listen to your podcasts. We'll catch you next time on Friday Happy Hour. Cheers, everybody. Have a lovely weekend.